Hello, and welcome to the Vet Professionals Cat Cafe podcast series. My name is Sarah Caney. I'm an RCVS specialist in feline medicine and founder of vetprofessionals.com. I've worked as a feline-only vet for more than 25 years now and have been an RCVS specialist in feline medicine for nearly 20 years. I decided to set up a virtual cat cafe during the COVID-19 lockdown in March 2020 as a way of keeping in touch with cat owners and sharing my tips on cat care. The following podcast was recorded as a cat cafe Zoom webinar on the 19th of November 2020 and you can watch the recording on the video tutorial page of vetprofessionals.com. Look under the helpful info menu for video tutorials and then click on the cat cafe tab. In this session, I talk about a condition called diabetes mellitus. I explain what this is and what signs carers can look out for. Thanks for choosing to listen to this podcast. I hope you find it interesting and of help in your pet care. Hello, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. So today's topic is part one actually of a series about diabetes mellitus in cats. And this is a condition that probably everyone has some knowledge about because it is quite common in people. Um, But I hope that the sessions will be helpful. And today's one, we're really going to focus on what is diabetes and what sort of signs of diabetes might you spot in your cat. So when to be on the lookout for this as a possibility. And we'll also talk about which cats are most vulnerable to this condition because there are certain breeds and also certain age groups, um, the sort of cat equivalent of demographics that are more vulnerable to this condition. So I'll mention some of that so you're aware of that um, and then move on to talk about how we actually confirm a diagnosis and, and what sorts of things can also get in the way, can interfere with our ability to diagnose this condition. So a little bit of background to start off with. Um, Firstly, cats do get diabetes mellitus um, and it is actually reasonably common to see in our vet clinics. So every single vet in the UK will certainly have managed many cats with diabetes through their career. And overall, it's estimated to affect about one in 200 cats. So, you know, reasonably frequent, but actually it's not the most common hormonal condition. Hypothyroidism, which I've spoken about in some previous sessions, is actually the most common, what we would call endocrinopathy. That means a disease affecting hormonal systems. Hypothyroidism is an overactive thyroid, overproducing thyroid hormone, and that affects about 10% of cats over the age of 10. So that is the most common hormonal disease, but diabetes is the second most common one. And it is typically something that affects middle-aged and older cats. So we'll come on to talk about some of the other risk factors in just a moment. And it's characterized as a condition by either a lack, a deficiency of insulin, a hormone within the body that's produced in the pancreas and helps to control blood sugar levels and or a problem called insulin resistance, which is where the cells of the body uh, become less responsive to insulin. So normally insulin binds to the surface of the cells, um, but if you have insulin resistance, uh, that doesn't happen as effectively. So the impact of the insulin is less. 
So again, just to sort of summarise that hopefully a little bit more coherently, cats with diabetes either don't have enough insulin um, and or have this problem called insulin resistance. And typically, actually, it's a little bit of, of both of those things together. That's the most common scenario. Insulin is important because, as I've mentioned, it helps to control blood sugar levels. And in fact, cells need uh, insulin's help to get glucose sugar from the bloodstream into the cells. And therefore, if the insulin either is not there, there's not enough insulin, or it's been prevented from working properly because of this insulin resistance phenomenon, then the glucose can't get into the cells. So the cells can't use glucose as an energy source and they have to use other things. Things, and that leads on to cause all the, the consequences of diabetes that we'll talk about. Overall, in cats, there are three types of diabetes that have been described, and I'll talk about these now in turn. You'll see, in fact, that type 1 diabetes is very uncommon in cats. So although it's the first one to mention because it is type 1, it's probably the least relevant one for you to be aware of because this does appear to be quite rare. Probably accounts for less than 5% of all diabetic cats. So very, very small number of diabetic cats will have this type 1 diabetes. And the type 1 diabetes is characterised by insulin deficiency, so by the, the pancreas really just completely failing to produce any insulin and that's why the cat is diabetic. Um, and this is uh, often thought to be caused by immune mediated destruction of the pancreatic cells. So the body is attacking itself within the pancreas, the organ in the abdomen that produces insulin and that's destroying the ability of the pancreas to produce the insulin and that therefore causes diabetes. But that is very rare. What is absolutely the most common situation is what's called type 2 diabetes. Um, and this um, previously, also other terms for this that you might have heard, uh, would include non-insulin dependent diabetes mellitus, with type 1 being an insulin dependent diabetes mellitus. And the logic behind that uh, phraseology, if you like, was that actually for cats with type 2 diabetes, the biggest problem is this insulin resistance, which I've mentioned before, that the cells just are not responding to insulin uh, in the way that they should do, that this is a problem that uh, affects the whole body and that the cells are not responding to insulin. So the insulin that's there cannot work very effectively. But in fact, often in cats with type 2 diabetes, there is reduced insulin production as well. So whilst there is often some insulin produced, particularly at the start of this illness, um, the, the uh, uh, end result is a combination of a lack of insulin and insulin resistance. And we think that uh, about 80% of cats with diabetes have this type 2 uh, diabetes mellitus, this uh, non-insulin dependent, as it was previously called, diabetes mellitus. And this is something that we know over the years, we've, we've come to understand in more detail. We know there are certain risk factors for development of this. Um, and those risk factors are that very typically uh, affected cats are likely to be middle-aged or older. Um, often neutered cats, um, male cats are overrepresented as well, um, and often cats with a sedentary lifestyle are overrepresented, and overweight cats as well. And certainly in people, um, obesity is a risk factor for exactly the same sort of diabetes mellitus in ourselves. So a lot of similarities. 
A few other things that we know also are a risk factor. One is treatment with um, steroids, glucocorticoid steroids. These are anti-inflammatory steroids, so not bodybuilding steroids, but anti-inflammatory steroids, which are often used in veterinary medicine for a number of uh, inflammatory diseases. And actually cats usually tolerate steroids very, very well. However, they can, in some cats, push them a little bit into diabetes, particularly if there is a vulnerability there um, existing before because of perhaps other risk factors. And so some of you may have had experience of cats on long-term steroid condition for an inflammatory condition where perhaps they have developed diabetes. And if you're able to, to wean off the steroids, often the diabetes will go away, although the cat still is vulnerable to it. Um, but that can be a challenge in terms of management, which we'll, we'll talk about in the next session. There are also some genetic risk factors. So we know some breeds of cats are overrepresented. In other words, they're more vulnerable, it appears, to developing diabetes. Um, and that definitely includes Burmese cats, particularly some lines of Burmese cats in Australia and New Zealand appears to be particularly vulnerable. Um, but even in the UK, Burmese cats are overrepresented. And also some evidence that Tonkinese, uh, which is a, a Burmese Siamese cross, uh, have an increased risk of diabetes and also Norwegian forest cats. So if you are um, a carer of any of uh, cats of any of these breeds, then my key advice to you would be to really extra extra vigilance for weight management as in do not let your cats uh, become overweight or, or obese because that really does increase the risk of diabetes development, which is uh, definitely something we want to avoid. And then the last category of uh, diabetes that exists is type 3 diabetes mellitus. Um, and this is often also called secondary diabetes mellitus. And this refers to cats that have diabetes often because of another associated underlying disease. And actually the steroid treatment I just mentioned is an example of this. So if your cat is receiving glucocorticoids and becomes diabetic, then actually that is a type 3 uh, diabetic uh, situation. But other examples would be cats with pancreatic problems, so pancreatitis and also pancreatic tumours can affect production of insulin and lead to the development of diabetes mellitus. In the case of pancreatitis, which is quite common in cats, it a, a, can be quite a painful condition causing often poor appetite, vomiting, abdominal pain. Um, the diabetes may wax and wane uh, as the pancreatitis waxes. So at times when the pancreatitis is bad, the cat's diabetes might be bad, but then if the pancreatitis comes under control, the diabetes might disappear. And there are other hormonal conditions as well that can uh, increase the risk of diabetes development. And that would include um, conditions like hyperadrenocorticism, which is uh, an, a lay term for this is Cushing's disease. This is a condition that happens in people as well, where either a pituitary, a brain tumor, or an adrenal tumor leads to overproduction uh, of uh, corticosteroid within the body. 
um, and also another hormonal condition that can lead to diabetes development is called acromegaly, which is where uh, a pituitary tumour, so again, a tumour within the brain, overproduces growth hormone um, and that leads to insulin resistance and uh, development of diabetes mellitus. So there's quite a lot of situations in which diabetes can develop, but most common is this type 2, this combination of reduced insulin production and insulin resistance and obesity is definitely a very important risk factor for that. So what's going on in our cats that has diabetes? Well, if the starting point is a lack of insulin and or insulin resistance, then the consequence of that is that blood sugar levels increase because blood sugar is not being taken into the cells because insulin is needed and insulin has to work properly for the glucose to pass into the cells. So if the insulin is not there or there is insulin resistance, glucose can't pass into the cells and that means uh, that glucose builds up in the bloodstream um, and you get high levels, what's called hyperglycemia, uh, increased blood sugar levels. And there are a number of consequences of that which include firstly that alternative energy sources have to be found so this is why our diabetic cats lose weight and they actually break down their muscle as well which is um, very unfortunate for them because once you've lost muscle it's very hard to regain even if you correct the underlying cause and in, in some cases, luckily a minority of cases, um, that breakdown of muscle um, and fat to produce ketones as an alternative energy source can actually lead to a condition called ketosis or ketoacidosis, which is um, a potentially life-threatening emergency diabetic complication. Luckily for us, most diabetic cats actually don't uh, develop this ketosis although they lose fat and muscle it doesn't get to that sort of emergency stage where where we need to act very very quickly but of course we still need to act because otherwise they are are going to continue to lose weight and and uh, lose condition the other consequence of having high blood sugar levels is that at the kidneys, unfortunately, the kidneys can't stop that glucose from being lost into the urine. Normally, kidneys are actually quite good at not only filtering the blood, but also selectively keeping some things in the body, reabsorbing those things uh, that don't want to be lost in the urine and actively excreting other things that we do want to lose into the urine. And glucose is an example of something that the kidneys will normally be quite good at keeping within the body, but there is a threshold above which the kidneys just can't keep up with that uh, glucose uh, filtration. And that's called the renal threshold. And once your blood sugar is above 12 to 14 millimoles per liter, if you're a cat, then you start to lose glucose into your urine what's called glycosuria and wherever glucose goes it takes water with it it's called a, an osmotic diuresis so if there's lots of glucose passing into your urine it takes lots of water with it and the net result of that is that the cat then starts to produce very large volumes of urine containing this glucose and therefore they have to drink a lot to stop themselves from becoming dehydrated so the thirst is a sort of compensatory thirst to stop them getting dehydrated and the last thing i wanted to mention was that high blood sugar 
in the long term can actually be damaging to the kidneys. Um, there is this phenomenon called glucose toxicity, whereby having high blood sugar levels is actually damaging to the cells of the pancreas um, and it interferes with their ability to produce any insulin. And this is a reason uh, why in uh, diagnosing a diabetic cat, if we can treat it as early as possible and uh, as aggressively as possible, medically aggressively as possible, then there's a better chance that we can save their pancreas um, and help it to continue to produce insulin in the long term. The longer the cat's been diabetic, the worse the, the long term and irreversible damage to their pancreas is likely to be. So as a carer, what might you spot in your cat that has diabetes? Well, you may spot weight loss in spite of your cat having a good and often very good increased appetite, what we would call polyphagia, a cat that's overeating. So for example, if your cat is constantly asking for food, it constantly seems hungry, um, it seems quite bright and cheerful, but it's lost a lot of weight, diabetes would absolutely be on, on your list of possibilities. Now, other things are on the list of possibilities as well, and that would include hypothyroidism, which often causes weight loss in spite of a good appetite, and also quite a few cats with bowel disorders uh, and even some pancreatic disorders that are not diabetes will also have this. So it's not uh, enough to, to see the cat is, is eating a lot and losing weight to, to say it must be diabetes. There are other things, but it's definitely an important clue that's often present in our diabetic cats. Also, as I've mentioned, our di diabetic cats have a very high requirement for drinking because they're producing a larger volume of urine uh, because of losing that glucose into the urine and the glucose taking water from the circulation with it, these cats have to drink a lot. And so you might find that you really do see your cat at the water bowl more frequently, um, or you may notice your cat drinking from unusual water sources. So for example, uh, the cat on the right, this is actually my elderly cat some years ago, uh, drinking my cold tea for, uh, on the table, uh, really not something he would normally choose to drink, but he obviously was feeling so thirsty um, that this was uh, you know, he just couldn't wait. So he was going to drink my tea, like it or not. And uh, the cat on the left in this slide is a cat that was at the vet clinic. And often at the vet clinic, you're a bit stressed and a bit inhibited. You're less likely to show normal behavior. But again, this cat is so thirsty. There was happened to be a jug of water in, in the ultrasound room where the cat was have, having a few tests done. And the cat just was so thirsty, it walked over and started drinking it, which is, again, really unusual to see and just tells you this cat's thirst is massive. It's really uncontrollable. So if you see your cat drinking a lot diabetes is definitely a possibility but again there are other things as well kidney disease would be another important rule out Next on the list is something we've already mentioned, um, but just to reiterate, which is the increased volume of urine produced by your cat. Now, depending on your cat's toileting behaviour, you may or may not be aware of that because if your cat goes outside to the garden and you don't know how many times they're going outside to pass urine in a day, then you may not be able to, to say whether they're either passing urine more frequently or passing a larger volume at each time. But if your cat uses a litter tray, um, then 
then you may well be able to answer this question, particularly if you have a clumping cat litter. And this is one brilliant advantage in my mind for a clumping cat litter is it allows you to see when the cat has passed urine and also how much urine has been passed. And if you notice your cat is now passing much greater volumes of urine, the urine clumps are larger in size and there are more of them in the day, then you know your cat is uh, passing more urine than is normal. And this is, of course, something to definitely speak to your vet about if you see it as a change. If you don't use a clumping cat litter, what you might notice is that litter tray is heavier. Uh, if, for example, you use the, the compressed wood pellets, um, you might spot that. So there are various clues that can be helpful um, that you may see at home. And another thing to, to, uh, to mention at this point is that actually most cats with diabetes are pretty cheerful otherwise. So they are quite bright, quite active, you know, in, in many other ways, their normal selves. So this this is often something which uh, doesn't uh, perhaps at home strike carers as an emergency and that actually is fair enough um, but uh, if you see that combination of signs of course speak to your vet clinic for further advice. I mentioned a little bit earlier on that a small number of cats will develop this very serious, potentially life-threatening uh, condition called ketosis uh, or ketoacidosis. And this is where breakdown of muscle and fat to produce uh, ketones as a source of energy goes a bit wrong and this uh, having too many ketones is definitely um, very uh, damaging to the cat and very makes them feel very ill so your cat if it has this complication will not be the bright and cheerful diabetic cat but now could be very listless very lethargic very unhappy typically not eating uh, may still be drinking because the cat will be very very thirsty still um, but probably won't be drinking enough uh, they typically will come in a little bit dehydrated. Um, they may also have vomiting or diarrhea um, and you may notice um, an acetone smell to the breath. Some people seem to be very good at smelling this and I, I'm told it's like pear drops. I am not very good at smelling this unfortunately but if you notice your cat's, <clears throat> your diabetic cat's breath smells of pear drops then I would say that's an emergency because even if they seem okay at that moment, they can go downhill very quickly. So always seek advice. <clears throat> And you can uh, use dipsticks, uh, urine dipsticks, to identify presence of uh, ketosis at home. And uh, so your vet would be able to, for example, give you those dipsticks if you're able to collect a urine sample from your cat at home, or they can test a sample that you take into the clinic or indeed, uh, obviously, assess the whole cat. And certainly if the cat is showing any of the signs of, uh, that I've put on this slide, you know, signs of really being uh, unwell, then I would say get them to the vet clinic as soon as possible because it really can be rapidly fatal if not treated. Fortunately this doesn't happen very often so I don't want to alarm you but just if you do see it or you're concerned about it you do need to act. There are some other signs which diabetic cats can develop which are less frequent but I thought would be worthwhile including. Um, one of the ones that uh, you may have heard of or may read about is a neuropathy. This is where the nerves actually and their ability to function uh, is affected by um, the high glucose and inability to use the glucose effectively and typically what happens is that the longest nerves in the body seem to be affected the, the most severely and so the most 
most common manifestation of this is what we call a plantigrade stance, which is where the cat, instead of standing up uh, on its uh, toes, more or less, um, is actually walking with its hocks either very low to the ground or on the ground. So like, almost half of the back leg uh, is, is on the floor. Very odd. It looks a bit like the cat is wearing flippers. And again, some cats will seem to be particularly vulnerable to this. So this can develop at an early stage in uh, diabetes, although typically it would be more with long term poor control of, of diabetes. And sometimes it can affect the, the front legs. And with the front legs, we call it a palmigrade stance. Um, so a bit like the palm of our hand uh, touching the ground. Uh, again, the same for the cat. So instead of walking effectively on, on their fingertips, they're walking uh, on their whole palm. And you can see that sort of sunken gait there. Diabetes makes you more vulnerable to urinary tract infections um, because the, the urine is firstly very watery and it also has sugar in it. That makes it very much easier for bacteria to grow um, and to cause a low urinary tract infection. And uh, many cats with urinary tract infections will show signs of cystitis. So that might include squatting and straining, uh, passing urine outside the litter box because of some urgency, perhaps the, the urine being blood perhaps a bit smelly or cloudy if you were able to collect a sample um, and uh, all of these things of course raise a concern of urinary tract infection. Some cats with diabetes uh, when they develop a urinary tract infection don't show these typical signs which is a little bit more frustrating um, but can be actually just unwell in themselves. So again if your diabetic cat is just not quite right, things aren't quite as good as they used to be, uh, this is definitely an important thing to check for but uh, also if you do see signs of urinary tract infection of course. In dogs with diabetes, it's quite common for them to develop cataracts um, uh, associated with their diabetes. And this is something that can be treated. Cataract surgery is actually very successful in dogs, um, as is the case in, in ourselves as well. Um, but in cats, it's actually much, much less common for this to happen. So diabetic cataracts, um, from my own experience, actually have been, I think, only in cases I've seen with type 1 diabetes, that uh, immune-mediated disease disorder destroying the pancreas where there is an absolute deficiency of insulin. Um, I haven't seen it so far in a cat with type 2 or type 3 uh, diabetes mellitus, but certainly be on the lookout for any eye changes. And if you do see anything, any clouding in the eye, this cat you can see has got very obvious uh, opacification of the lens. It's now a sort of solid uh, um, tissue there. It's not painful, but it uh, clearly is going to stop the cat from being able to see out of that eye. Um, and there may be other eye changes as well. One of my colleagues some years ago um, looked at a series of diabetic cats and I think found that their, their corneal sensitivity, the front of their eye was a bit less sensitive and a bit drier, so a bit more vulnerable to trauma and scratches on the surface. Um, but overall, I would say um, in, term, in terms of my clinical experience, eye problems are not very common in diabetic cats. And then I think lastly, in terms of things to look out for are with, with those underlying conditions in type 3 diabetic cats, we might see other clues. So, for example, the cat with pancreatitis often is going to feel quite sorry for itself, uh, may be vomiting, may have a sore and tender abdomen, uh, may feel quite you know, depressed uh, as, as per the, the photo shown on this slide here as well. 
the cat on the bottom right hand picture of, of the slide is one that you can see has um, the ear tips, the, the pinny, uh, the soft cartilage flaps of the ears slightly fold over at the tips. And this is one manifestation that we can sometimes see with long term steroid use, long term uh, glucocorticoid steroid use. And this cat had had um, an inflammatory bowel disease and needed to be on quite a high dose of steroids for quite a long time. And unfortunately, there is uh, a risk that that not only can uh, induce or um, increase the risk of diabetes mellitus but also can make the cartilage a bit weaker and this ear, ear folding uh, can be seen and so um, in your diabetic cat if it's related to steroid use there may be other signs such as that thinning of the skin the skin being more fragile um, would be other other uh, potential signs of uh, long-term steroid use as well and then the cat on the left probably doesn't look very exciting as a picture in terms of it maybe not very clear well what is what's to see in this picture it's a it's a tabby cat um, but this cat had a condition called acromegaly which is where the pituitary um, there is a pituitary tumor which overproduces growth hormone and uh, this cat uh, was much bigger than he had been earlier in life he had grown bigger and in, in fact there were some photos which i never managed to get a copy of where we did at one point look at uh, compare and contrast him you know over the last five years and you could see his head was much bigger with this condition um, his uh, jaw was much bigger his teeth actually became a little bit spaced out because of this growth caused by the, by the growth hormone and that also affects internal organs like the heart the liver the kidneys so when we were feeling his his abdomen his kidneys felt quite large he had a heart murmur related to the heart changes and this was all a consequence of this condition which is called Called acromegaly with this tumor overproducing growth hormone and that very commonly causes this insulin resistant uh, diabetes as well. So a range of, of things that, that we might spot as a carer in our cats at home. Um, and as always, if you're concerned about the possibility of diabetes uh, or anything else in your cat, the next step, of course, is, is to speak to your vet clinic and ask for advice. So how do vets diagnose diabetes mellitus? Well, of course, we start by asking lots of questions to try and get the sort of information we've just talked about in terms of what have you seen at home? Is your cat's appetite normal? Is their thirst normal? Has anything changed then we obviously want to do a physical examination and in most diabetic cats the physical examination it, it is not dramatically abnormal uh, typically what we will see is that our patient has lost weight so having good weight records at the clinic is helpful from that perspective um, also uh, quite a lot of diabetic cats will develop this rather pot-bellied appearance their their abdomen will look a little bit pot-bellied which is partly because they've lost muscle mass so their abdominal muscles are a little bit weaker and they've lost muscle over their backbone which makes the abdomen look more obvious but also enlargement of the liver is quite common with diabetes and that can also make the, the tummy just look a bit more swollen. And they may also have this neuropathy we talked about, walking with the, the front and uh, hind leg, legs a bit lower to the ground, that palmigrade, palantigrade uh, stance we talked about. But of course, like many conditions, we need to do blood and urine tests to confirm the diagnosis. And really the key thing that we need to identify is a high blood glucose level and also presence of glucose in the, the urine sample. So hyperglycemia is high blood glucose and glycosuria is glucose in the urine. Um, 
Now, there is a phenomenon that cats are vulnerable to, which you may be aware of, which is called stress hyperglycemia. And this is where stress associated with perhaps travel to the vet clinic, being in the vet clinic, being handled, collecting that blood sample uh, leads to blood sugar levels increasing. And that can definitely confuse diagnosis of diabetes mellitus because in some cases that stress hyperglycemia can actually produce identical results to a diabetic cat. In other words, a very high blood glucose and glucose in the urine sample if the cat's been stressed for some time before we get that urine sample. So where that's the case, there are some additional tests that we can do and I'll come back to actually talking a little bit more about those in the end because I, I've got a little case to, to finish with. Uh, but the fructosamine test is the most common example of that test. And uh, as I say, we'll come, come back to the, that in a moment. So our diabetic cat, we're looking for high blood glucose. We're looking for glucose in the urine. Um, we also need to just make sure that we've uh, ruled out other causes of the same clinical signs. So talked at the beginning about some of the, the uh, uh, some examples of this. So for example, cats with kidney disease may also have lost weight and have an increased thirst. Cats with hypothyroidism may have an increased appetite, increased thirst and weight loss. Cats with inflammatory bowel disease also may have an increased appetite and weight loss. So we need to look at all of these things and make sure we feel comfortable that we've uh, ruled out these other possibilities. And so ideally not just doing glucose in the blood, glucose in the urine, but actually doing a complete blood panel helps us to find these problems. And in particular in older cats, because we know that quite often often older cats have more than one problem simultaneously. So it's not that unusual actually to find a cat with hypothyroidism and diabetes or kidney disease and diabetes. And of course, we need to know about both of them if we're going to manage things uh, effectively. So as detailed a lab profile as we can, a T4 test for hypothyroidism, a urine profile, uh, check for urine infections uh, as well, really important in our diabetic cats because as we said, they're vulnerable to those. Um, and then importantly, rule out that, that stress phenomenon, the uh, transient temporary increase in blood sugar that commonly happens associated with stress in the clinic. And normal blood sugar levels, and different countries have different units, but in the UK, we use millimoles per litre. For a cat, normal blood sugar level in the clinic is, is going to be between uh, broadly four and eight millimoles per litre. Um, so it's quite common to have a mild increase. You can see the glucometer on the left here is 8.8. .8. That's not unusual in the clinic. 15.1, on the other hand, that's quite unusual with stress. It is possible, definitely it's possible, but it would be more consistent uh, with the possibility of diabetes. So to finish off with, let's just look at a patient of mine who I saw recently, the lovely Boris, who is 19 years old. Uh, he's a male new to domestic short hair, and he has had hypothyroidism for several years and been extremely stable and well managed on thiamazole, oral thiamazole, which is uh, antithyroid medication, which uh, helps to suppress his thyroid hormone levels into the normal range. And as you can probably see from the the photos he's he's in good condition although unfortunately at his most recent check um, we did find that he had lost some weight so he had weighed 5.2 kilos in March he's now 4.9 kilos which 
perhaps doesn't sound like a big difference, but actually is a significant uh, difference in his in his weight. And also at this checkup, we found that he now has significantly high blood pressure. His systolic blood pressure readings were all about 200 millimeters of mercury, which is quite high. But also we knew that that was not due to stress because we could also see some swelling and detachment at the back of his eyes. So we knew that he sadly is experiencing some consequences of that high blood pressure so that is is a real abnormality not due to stress um, and he also does have some dental disease that uh, hopefully we we will uh, be able to sort out at some point but as part of the check obviously we wanted to do some blood and urine profiles to see well is his hypothyroidism still stable? Um, because that could cause weight loss if, it, if he's no longer receiving the right dose of medication for his hypothyroidism, or are there any other problems that we need to know about? And what we found was that his hypothyroidism was absolutely fine. His uh, T4 levels, his thyroxine levels were right in the middle of the reference range, which is just absolutely perfect from where we would want them to be. He did have some changes suggestive of early kidney disease, so uh, a little bit of a change there, and that perhaps was uh, contributing to some of his weight loss. But we also found he did have a high blood glucose level. His blood glucose was 12.4, and that is higher than is typical for stress, although he is definitely a cat that suffers from stress associated to the vet, uh, with visits to the vet clinic, so he is a bit vulnerable to that. But at this point, of course, the big question is, well, has he got diabetes as well? Because certainly that could explain uh, his recent weight loss as well. So what do we do in these cases where we, we're concerned about stress as a possibility? Well, the first thing is most definitely to do a urine test. And uh, the urine sample we collected pretty much at the same time as the blood sample. And we found that that was negative for glucose. And that is a very good result because it indicates that for the previous few hours when that urine was forming, his blood glucose levels were pretty normal. So it's very likely that that increase uh, in glucose was due to stress. But we did an extra test just to make extra, extra sure, which is this fructosamine test I, I mentioned a little bit earlier on. Fructosamine is um, the complex that forms between glucose in the bloodstream and protein in the bloodstream. And therefore, um, if you have high blood glucose over a long period of time, um, that allows uh, more production of this substance called fructosamine. And it gives you an indication of what the blood sugar has been doing over the previous two to three weeks, because uh, the half-life of albumin, the, the main serum protein, is about three weeks. So fructosamine levels tell you what the blood glucose has been doing for the last two or three weeks. And again, in a cat that has a, a stress response and that's caused their blood sugar to go up, fructosamine should be normal. But if the fructosamine is high, that indicates uh, more likely diabetes. And happily for Boris, the result was a normal fructosamine. So at the moment, we don't need to worry about diabetes. Clearly, we will be keeping an eye on him and his blood glucose and his urine results uh, in the coming months anyway. Uh, and hopefully he's not going to develop this as a new problem, but certainly good to know that's not, not the case at the moment. Next week, we'll obviously talk more about management of diabetes and, and some cases that 
did have diabetes as opposed to a stress hyperglycemia and what the approach to management is. Um, and the good news is that there is a lot we can do to stabilize a cat with diabetes and many cats with diabetes actually do very, very well. So although it's, it's a big diagnosis and it can be a bit overwhelming as a carer uh, to be told that your cat has diabetes, um, often we're able to get a really good outcome in terms of the cat's quality of life and also uh, length of life. Key things from today really are that uh, if you're um, hopefully caring for cats that don't have diabetes, just a reminder to keep their body weight at a healthy level because we do know that obesity is a big risk factor for diabetes in cats as well as ourselves um, and uh, hopefully it's been helpful to hear a little bit more about the types of diabetes the sorts of things you can see at home and of course how we diagnose it in in the clinic um, and the last message would be just that if you do have a diabetic cat and it ever is unwell in itself so off food off color depressed lethargic then remember that that ketoacidosis emergency is a possibility and contact your vet clinic as soon as possible. As usual, there's more information on the, on the website and uh, we're now making these Cat Cafe sessions available as podcasts as well. So um, if sitting in front of a computer screen um, is you know a bit frustrating and you've got busy lives, you can listen to this in a podcast form and uh, that information is on the video tutorial page of the website and we will, we're working backwards to uh, make uh, previous sessions into podcasts as well. So hopefully that might be of interest. Uh, next week, talking about management of diabetic cats. So I hope you'll be able to join me for that. Um, and then the very final thing to say is just if you have experienced uh, what we would call a remote consultation, this is an over the phone consultation with your vet or perhaps a video consultation with your vet due to COVID social distancing, then we would really appreciate you uh, participating in our study, which is on the survey page of the website, what we're calling our telemedicine uh, uh, survey. So telemedicine, just using that in the word, the word in the loosest sense of uh, communication using, um, you know, your phone and your, and your computer rather than in person. And if you have already done the survey, then thank you so much. Really, really appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to starting data analysis very, very soon. So thank you very much again for choosing to join me. I hope you have found that helpful. Thanks again for listening to this session. For more information, please visit vetprofessionals.com. You can find YouTube recordings of all Cat Cafe sessions on the video tutorials page. To find the video tutorials page, click on the helpful info menu on the homepage. Don't forget that you can attend future Cat Cafe sessions live and have the opportunity to ask questions and show me you and your cat on video if you like. You can read more about how to access these sessions on the video tutorials page of the website. Lastly, if you found this podcast helpful, don't forget to subscribe and add a review. Thank you.